Blog Talk Radio. I just want to make sure that we're both on live, which I believe we are, which is good. We have okay. issues always. <laughs> All right. Um, I will hopefully be able to do some editing after this, but I'm going to just start in with our uh, introduction. Um, okay. So welcome, everybody. This is Sevgi Fernandez, and I've got Darren Scott with me today, and we are here from Together We Stand. Uh, we are a national nonprofit organization dedicated to dismantling racism and discrimination. And we are excited to be starting our podcast again. Um, I am excited to have Darren here. Why don't you give us a little introduction while I get us going on Facebook Live, okay? Okay. Well, my name is Darren Scott. I'm a former educator. Uh, studied in black history, uh, cultural anthropology, um, taught for a few years, and uh, really didn't realize how systemic racism affects us all, uh, black people as well as white people in this country. Um, And it has become, again, uh, Jim Crow never died. He had grandchildren, and now we're seeing it firsthand what many of our parents saw taking place, you know, back during uh, Jim, the Jim Crow era. So uh, my goal is to educate as many people as I possibly can um, because what we're doing now is we're pushing this onto our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids to try to handle it and try to solve it and try to fix it. And there's no way that they're going to be able to fix it uh, if we just keep pushing it off and pushing it forward. And that's my goal is to educate as many people as I possibly can on how to try to get this under control. Unfortunately, we have uh, an administration at this point that is uh, <laughs> kind of fueling the fire, perpetuating all of the Jim Crow era rules, laws, uh, <clears throat> the injustices, and so on and so forth. So it's going to take all of us to correct this, not just black people. Black people can't fix racism. It's up to white people to fix it. It's their illness. It's their sickness. It's their problem. Unfortunately, we are, people of color are the casualties of that. And all it is is fear and not understanding different cultures of people. So that is my goal. And, um, I, I, I just want to educate as many people as I can, and these people that understand it can push the message as well. So that's me. I'm very excited to have you here. So we just went live on Facebook. So hi, Jason. Hi, Timothy. Um, I have Darren Scott here on the show with me today, and we are going to be discussing uh, – some important issues facing us today in this nation. First, uh, existing while black, obviously that's become an issue for a lot of folks. Um, And we're going to also discuss uh, this upcoming election and 
the voter suppression that we're seeing popping up all over the place. Um, so let's just pop into it. Um, when I was thinking about doing this show, I wanted to make sure we covered this upcoming election because we've had a lot of discourse on the Together We Stand page and in the group and on my personal page about folks and whether or not they're going to vote. I feel pretty strongly on that subject. I think that uh, it is our responsibility to vote. Uh, we can't possibly sit around and bitch if we're not going to get out there and vote. Hi, Johnny. Hi, J Hi me. How are you? Um, hi, Katie. Anyways, uh, a lot of folks have been arguing with me this week um, they're pretty angry, rightfully so, and they feel that this system isn't set up for black folks or people of color, and therefore they're just not going to vote. Uh, I just find that crazy, given the fact that if you look at the administration that we have right now, um, if we don't vote, we're stuck. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on it, Darren? Well, first and foremost, we have to vote. It's not only our civic duty, but if we want things to change for us, um, and again, our kids and our grandchildren and so on and so forth, we have to start. Um, by not going and voting, you're basically essentially giving them another vote, uh, giving the other side another vote. I hate to say sides, but that's what it basically boils down to. Um, so it it is our duty to to make change, and our vote is our voice, period. Exactly. And, I mean, I certainly understand, uh, given what people of color are facing in this nation and have uh, historically, that it's frustrating. Um, that being said, this is, and we know that the system's pretty corrupt, and Certainly, they are going to try to steal the election in any way that they can. We're seeing it happening in, you know, all over the country, specifically Georgia, Kansas, um, things of that nature. But if you look in uh, Alabama, I mean, we'd be uh, seeing Roy Moore right now in office had particularly the black community not come out to vote. So that's a recent example of why it's so essential that we use that tool um, to, to effectively make change. Certainly, it's not easy to live with what we see going on in this government, but we can't sit around and bitch if we're not willing to get out and vote. And that's one thing that each of us can do um, very easily. It takes 10 minutes of your day. And it's necessary. And I do want to say that for those of you that are wanting to vote, that do not have a way to get to the polls, our organization Together We Stand will get you a ride. Um, I know that Uber and Lyft are offering free rides to the polls, but they aren't necessarily going to go to all the neighborhoods. Um, so if you do find yourself in a situation where you believe you will need a ride, please contact us as soon as possible. 
You can find us on Facebook and message us or Instagram and Twitter at TWSRevolution.org is our website. And our Twitter handle and Instagram and Facebook is at TWS Revolution. You can also call us at 1-800-524-1084. No, 528-1084, sorry. I haven't had enough caffeine and I have a brand new baby, so you all know how that goes. Um, give us a call, leave us a message. We'll call you back. We'll find you a ride. We want to get you to the polls any way that we can. Don't let not having a ride be a reason why you don't go. And we also know that they have closed polling stations in a lot of our neighborhoods across the country. Hi, Megan. <laughs> Megan. And um, we can't let that stop us. Let's show them that regardless of how many polling stations they close, uh, regardless of how difficult they make it, we will, we will get there and our voices will be heard. Um, yeah, I mean, Russell just uh, got on the line. Hi, Russell. We had a conversation last night on Facebook about the um, election. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all not so pleased with a lot of our options, but sometimes it is about choosing the lesser of two evils. And we do have some really incredible candidates running across the country, um, be it in local or, or large state elections. So I encourage everybody to educate yourselves. We've got, hi Russell, <laughs> hi Lionel. Um, we've got a wonderful uh, social justice warrior out here, Kat Brooks, running. Um, and there are people across the country that are trying to step up and have a voice for us. And if we don't get out to the polls, then we don't give them that opportunity. Because certainly, let me tell you this, the other side is going to be at the polls. And if we don't show up, we're just handing it to them. And we can't do that. We cannot do that. The damage that has been done by Trump and this government so far in two years is pretty unbelievable. I know we all knew it would be bad, but Every day I shake my head because I couldn't believe it was going to be this bad. So, um, you got anything more that you want to say, Darren? What's going on with you in Texas? Because I know we've got Beto and and uh, that lovely little white man running against each other. What are your thoughts on that? Well, in Texas, let me just say this before before I go any further. We have early voting in Texas. Please, 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 please get out and early vote if you can. It's important. It's imperative that we do. We're seeing Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke go toe-to-toe right now in Texas. Texas generally, well, is a red state. And when you walk down the streets in Texas, and I live in Dallas, Texas, you walk down the streets in Dallas, Texas, and you see it's a red state. They let you know it's a red state um, just by their actions, their demeanor. Um, if you have money in Texas, you know, you, you know, you ride around in the big cars and the nice homes and the nice areas, and you can see it on the roads, the way the, the neighborhoods are handled. Um, but that's what Ted Cruz wants to keep Texas. You know, they want to keep it red. We need to turn it blue. It's, it's absolutely absurd. 
the way that people are handled here in Texas uh, politically. Um, so I'm surprised we haven't seen more voter fraud here locally um, and, and you guys seeing it on the national level than we have because Texas is notorious for, well, being red, and they'll do anything. They'll cheat us to beat us, I promise you. And so that's why it's even more important that if you're in Texas, exercise your right to early vote, exercise your right to voice your opinion. If they try to turn you away at the polls, you let them know, I'm not leaving here until I cast a vote. Um, they'll, they can call the police, but you have the right as a citizen of the United States of America to cast a vote. And uh, as long as you have your documentation, you know, the voter ID type things, um, uh, the ID stuff that they want you to have, have your ID, a state ID. I just found out yesterday or the day before yesterday, you can go in there with a gun license and they'll accept that, but they won't take a college student license, which is absolutely ridiculous to me. But please, please, please cast your vote. Make sure you, if you have friends that can't get there, help them get there. If you have a, a van, a SUV, whatever it is, pack it with people, pack friends. Right. Even, you don't have, even if they're not your friends, they can become your friends if you offer them a ride to the polls, I promise you. So it's very, 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 very important that we get out there and do that. And uh, like I said, I mean, I haven't seen much of it as far as Texas is concerned, as far as the voter uh, voters' uh, suppression going on here. Uh, but I'm sure it's happening. I'm, I'm almost positive it's happening. It's Texas. On the north. <laughs> yeah. I want to just check in if somebody watching on Facebook could just let me know that you're able to hear Darren okay because – Technology is not my thing, and I want to make sure that, that he's coming through loud enough. So someone text me in the chat and let me know that y'all can hear okay. And I just wanted to piggyback on that, that, um, you know, if they give you a hard time about your ID at the polls, ask for a provisional ballot. You have a right to vote. They have to give you a provisional ballot. And thank you, Megan. They can hear you, Darren. <laughs> Um, they have to give you a provisional ballot. And I know that states like Georgia do have um, call-in numbers. If you have a hard time at the polls and you need assistance, I wish that I would have written it down ahead of time. Um, they also have lawyers on call right now, um, agencies that will help you if you are one of the 57,000 African Americans that have had your voting put on hold because of your ID issues. So please don't wait till the last minute. There is help out there to make sure that you're able to vote on election day. And again, there's early voting as well. So ask for the provisional ballots. Make sure that you know the numbers to call within your state. I'm quite certain most states have uh, assistance for folks who are dealing with voter suppression. So your due diligence and make sure that your voice can count on that day. And again, please let people know if they need a ride to the polls to contact us. We will absolutely do everything we can to make sure that we get folks there on election day. And I, you know, I just harassing my son Justice, who's at school at the University of Redlands, and making sure that he is 
registered and ready to go, and he is, and it's important. Get to your students, your college students, your children who are just coming up to the time in which they can vote for the first time and make sure they know how important it is. Their vote is so important and their voice is so important, and we need to empower our youth right now more than ever. Um, so there's my preach for the day on that issue. Um, shall, we, shall we move on to... Uh, existing while black. <laughs> um, yes. I I wanted to talk about this specifically. I'm raising three sons. Um, for those of you that don't know um, my background, you know, my father, I'm mixed. My mother is white. My father's black. And my father was a member of the Black Panther Party back in the day. And... Um, you know, both my parents have taught me that it's important to speak up for other people and to challenge racism and discrimination in this country. And, uh, you know, my son, Justice, is now 19. Um, he has had several experiences with the police uh, for doing nothing but existing. Um, most recently was, uh, he was on a vacation in Tahoe with my mom's family and he was walking outside their condo in the complex and a white woman who was staying in another condo called the police because he looked suspicious. Um, my mom had to run out in her pajamas. It was very frightening, you know, to make sure that my son was okay. And the police showed up and, you know, he was questioned. And I'm getting texts from my son saying, you know, that the police were just called on him. And, you know, it was a very, very scary experience for me as a mother, um, particularly because of the work that I do with Together We Stand and how well aware I am uh, that that could end his life. Um, you know, I deal with moms every day who have lost their children to police violence. That is, of course, every mother's worst nightmare to lose a child, but to lose a child to those that sworn to protect and serve is beyond. And, and to try to fight that system, I see the fight every day. And we're in it every day with them, and it's um, very, very challenging, as, as everybody knows, to get accountability uh, when it comes to police brutality. Um, after my were with him, at least I didn't die, so I guess I'm lucky. So that is that is the mentality and the hope that we are giving our young men of color, our young people of color um, right now. Uh, they're just happy and lucky when they don't die, when the police are called on them just for existing. Um, and, you know, that's happened to my dad countless times. And it's just frightening um, and unacceptable. The fact that we're seeing on the news and social media on a daily basis, basically, uh, white folks calling uh, the police on on black kids, black people, it's absolutely 
it's just insanity. I mean, we saw that poor little nine-year-old boy. Was it in New York, Darren, where he his backpack brushed this woman and she called the police? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was New York. Um, sexually assaulted back- her when his backpack brushed her. I mean, and I, I've seen interviews with this poor baby. He's been in tears. I mean, and the mother having to have a discussion with her son about sexual assault and, you know, having to go through something like that at such a young age because of absolute hate, racial bias, bigotry, ignorance is just unacceptable. I'm, I would have probably beat her ass, but that's just me. And <laughs> I joke with some of my friends that they better have my bail money ready, but, you know, I mean, it's difficult. Um, to sit and, and, and watch that injustice happen over and over and over again. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. And folks have talked about, you know, needing legislation, needing something that would require um, it to be against the law to abuse 911 in that way. But then again, we have to rely on the police to carry out those laws and, and Unfortunately, that would probably prove to be fairly difficult given we see a lot of uh, racial bias in our policing these days. Uh, Darren, do you have any, I'm sure you have a lot to say on this. Um, Have you ever had an instance where you've had the police called on you? Uh, Actually, I have. And, you know, uh, it's a little bit different, but it was me defending myself and the police were called on me. Um, but this happens all the time. This is this is nothing new. This is just another way for uh, law enforcement to enforce. And, and and what it is, it's about fear. But they put us in a state of fear. Um, I, I I say this to my friends quite often. I say, don't be sad. You know, the the sad emoji comes up a lot on my post. Don't be sad. It's time for you to be mad because this type of crap has been going on for far too long. And I wish they'd do away with the sad emoji on my page in particular because of that. I don't want people to be sad that these things are happening. I want you to be mad about these things happening because, like I said, it happens far too often. It's been going on for way too long. Um, the, and not to mention, you mentioned the kid in New York, the young man in New York, who his backpack brushed up against the lady's butt and she said that he grabbed her butt and all this other that's 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 traumatizing. It, it traumatizes. Could you imagine being nine years old and an adult who you've always been told respect adults and so on and so forth? And then this person is, you know, saying that you did this and you didn't do it. So now this kid has to deal with this, and he'll probably look at people differently for the rest of his life for this Absolutely. particular instance. And this is this is what is. Uh, is so detrimental to our community because they can put something on us. And, and, and truth be told, we're guilty until proven innocent, not innocent until proven guilty. In our shade of hue, our, our hue, we are guilty until proven innocent. And, you know, I have a colleague that I work with, and uh, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. He, he claimed mm, two months ago that he was Native American. Then – 
when I said, well, you should be just as angry as me, <laughs> you know, in a lot of situations. Well, I'm a Viking. Uh, you know, my parents are, you know, Norwegian and all this. I said, look, dude, the fact of the matter is, and he's a, he's a smart guy. It's just that he does not want to, you know, I would ask him direct questions just so that he could give me a direct answer, and he could never give me a direct answer about racism. Um, and that's how, that's how a lot of white people see it. They don't want to be held accountable. They, they, he, he tells me this, well, I had nothing to do with it. And he doesn't understand that he benefits every single day he opens his eyes from the past. Um, I, I brought up, you know, the, the, the United States cotton trade. When they were selling cotton, we provided 91% of the world with cotton pick free. And we got nothing, and they benefited. And that's what built the economy in this country. So when, when, when they tell you that oh, I'm, I don't benefit any from that, yes, you do. You absolutely do. And, and a long 500-plus years of benefiting uh, has caused a lot more anger uh, in my communities anyway, in my community anyway. Um, so, yeah, we have to and, – and, and going back to the little kid in New York – we have to do what his mother did and protect protect our kids from this type of stuff. Uh, the, the lady that was at the apartment complex that told the man he couldn't come in, and even when he got to his door of his unit, you know, it was still, well, and then they tried to brush it off. Well, she's married to a black man. I don't care. Just because you're married to a black man does not mean you cannot have those racist views. I know exactly. people with mixed kids. I know people with, with biracial kids. And blonde-haired, blue-eyed mother, you know, brown-skinned children. Mm-hmm. And the mother does not understand that the kids will not be or have the same abilities in this country that she has. She just doesn't get it. They don't get it. And so that's why I focus on the education piece and, and trying to get people to understand how this has taken place and how this has been perpetuated and white people do not own up to it. Um, just because you didn't own a slave. I've never been a slave, honestly. Uh, but I know that I too have been oppressed in some, you know, manner. Um, and they've been, they've benefited from that. So we have to all keep that in mind. And, um, again, educate our kids, let our kids know. And more than anything is protecting our kids, protecting our culture. Uh, just because someone's not your child doesn't mean you can't protect them. You know, uh, if Seji, if, if Seji's son, excuse me, had an issue and I happen to be there and see that, please believe me, I'm going to protect that young man. So, and that goes for anybody. If if a kid is doing something and the cops are, you know, interrogating him, I have I have to say something. So. That's my part. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. I had to end our Facebook video because I'm having battery issues, but I'm glad we got some of that up for folks to see, and hopefully they'll tune in to the rest when we post the link. Um, you know, that that's an interesting topic. We have um, folks that are basically – white and they say, well, I wasn't, you know, I didn't own slaves. I wasn't alive back then, so it's not on me. And, you know, that's, sure, but 
you still, as you said, they benefit from white privilege. And a lot of people ask me, and I want to ask you this, if they have white privilege, you know, that's not their fault is what's said. And so what are they supposed to do about it or do with it? What would you say to that? I would say it is not your fault that you have it. Just like it's not, and, and I don't say black being a fault, but it's, it's again, racism is, is an illness, first of all. If you're white, you have a voice to speak out because everybody knows right from wrong. If I walk up to a young lady and slap the shit out of her, I'm wrong. I'm wrong because I know I'm stronger. I'm, I'm you know, a bigger person. Um, and if people saw that, they would immediately jump on me and say, oh, he was dead wrong. He did this. He did that. You know right from wrong. People know right from wrong. And if that is wrong and you see it and you hear it and it's in front of you, why would you not? If, 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 if our Constitution says that all men are created equal and we should be treated the same way, why would you not speak up against that? That's, that's the problem is they're too fearful of not speaking up. But the flip side to that is when they're not doing anything, they're passing it on down to their kids to handle later on. Well, we know by 2045 this country is going to be predominantly black and brown people. We know that. Science has told us, right. and, and that's what's going to happen. So when your kids become the minority in this country, you can look back at your grandparents and your parents and say, damn, why wouldn't they have done something to, to, to bridge this gap? That's what they don't understand. So to leave it up to your kids, man, you can do that. But, again, you've heard people say, I'm not my grandfather. I handle things totally different than he, he did when he was my age um, as far as when it comes to race. Um, but uh, it's, 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 it's crazy. Why would they not want to better a situation for their kids? If, if you're white and you have that privilege, you have the ability to speak up. Everybody knows. I'll, I'll say this because I, I listened to a Tim Wise um, podcast or something not too long ago, and he was saying, you know, I'm effective in what I do, and I'm effective because I look like every, just about everybody in this crowd. I'm a white man, middle-aged, uh, and they're more apt to hear me. When it comes from a black person, it sounds like we're bitching and moaning. We're just giving you the truth and the facts of, of how this all has come to be. But Tim Wise uses his voice in that way, and I, I don't want to use him in particular, but Jane Elliott and uh, uh, Robin D'Angelo, I can name 10,000 white people that do this. Imagine if right. 10,000 more white people did the same thing and, and pushed that message of tolerance, understanding, empathy. White people need to learn empathy more than anything. They just, I mean, it, it blows my mind. So, Absolutely. If it doesn't, it, it, it's very disconcerting to see that there is such a huge majority of people who if it does not affect them directly they have right. nothing to say on it and and then that you know one of our sayings in together we stand is silence is surrender and you cannot stay silent and expect that you will not be seen as a participant in the oppression it's just it doesn't work like that Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've done workshops and, and people have said, you know, I, I'm just not, uh, you know, comfortable or able to be confrontational in the moment. Um, you know, what can I do? If, you know, and, and, and I mean, some folks are, my dad always says there's a place in every revolution for every person. And I just, I feel like it's important for people to know that, you know, if you're not one of those folks that's going to be on the front lines, that's fine. Um, Everybody can't do that. Um, But you can do something. You can do something every single day, whether it is to teach your child something about another culture, whether it is to make a phone call on behalf of an organization, whether it's to donate, whether it's to sign a petition, there's always something that can be done. Taking one step every single day will make a world of difference if everybody did it. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I look forward to the day when, when we see these women's marches and, you know, when they marched against Kavanaugh and they marched against Trump and there's millions of people across the country up in arms, that's all wonderful. I want to see that when a police officer kills an innocent black person or an exactly. innocent white person, for that matter. I want to see that type of outrage over these other injustices, not just things that directly affect women or white women. I want to see the white women out in force for our losses as well. And and and. That's why I always feel sort of conflicted when I when I see these huge protests going on because yes, on one hand I'm glad that they're out there, I'm glad that it's happening, but on the other hand I always think, well, where were you when uh, you know Trayvon Martin was killed, or where uh, when Oscar Grant was killed, or you know, I mean, we can go down the list. Um, it's just. Let me say something real quick on that Kavanaugh because you said you mentioned Kavanaugh, and when the mm-hmm. Supreme Court hearing was going on and all of that, <clears throat> we saw that uh, a lot of white women became complicit in how they felt about the same thing when Trump was elected. Fifty-three percent of white women voted for the man, even though he was just as disgusting as he could be. Um, when Kavanaugh was sitting up there and uh, Dr. Ford was given her testimony, and all these women were in support of Kavanaugh. Look, it's more likely that men sexually assault women than it is for women to just come up and say, he assaulted me. Again, history plays a role in this. This isn't something that people just make up. You know, If she made it up, she'll be found out that she made it up. But the likelihood of it really happening is is – I mean, I would say 99%, me personally. But we have to stop. We have to stop allowing these old white men to dictate in Congress, to dictate everybody's future. And everybody, you know, the, the Supreme Court hearing plays a role for the next 30 years. So, Cedric, your son will be 49, damn near 50, by the time this foolishness ends. So, we have to look at things like that. And I understand that, you know, my thing is 
with the Kavanaugh thing and all these women were standing by his side, I took I in those types of situations I take the Nat Turner approach in saying that Nat Turner, uh, there were black people that were slaves that weren't going to go against their masters, and Nat Turner says, everybody that's with me step forward, and a bunch of them stepped forward, and there were some that stayed back there. He said, all you guys that step forward, turn around and kill the people <laughs> behind you because they were no help to us. They were just mm-hmm. going to keep perpetuating the, the pain and the things that they were going through. So we have to look at it like that also in the standpoint on these women's issues. Uh, you know, leave these women behind and, and, and just – they get in the way. They get in the way of progress. They try to change. They deflect. They try to change the, the paths um, and those types of things. So we have to figure out a way to uh, get these people to understand, look, you're a woman. You're a woman before you were a Republican. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So it's, we just have to find a way to do that. And I'll go back to our first topic today. The way we start doing that is by voting, getting out there and voting, voting these people out of those positions. You know, Orrin Hatch ain't got nothing in common with me, but he's dictating a lot of our lives. Orrin Hatch is 92 years old. Me and him have absolutely nothing in common other than we probably both like golf. That's it. So... (laughs) Getting out there and voting and voicing, that's the first step to getting these people out of those positions. That's what we have to do. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're very correct. I mean, so what do you say to the young black folks out there that say this, uh, this government isn't my government? They don't care about me. I'm not voting Bottom line. They have I mean, to how do we, we, I mean, we've got, we've got to convince these folks to get out there and vote. It is not revolutionary to shut your damn voice down and not go out there and, and, and vote. It's just not. Right. I'm sorry. I'm so sick of hearing that. And, and I, <laughs> I'm sure I'm pissing off some of the folks that I'm, I'm friends with, but Still, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. We can be pissed off at each other around certain issues, but it's it's it, it's necessary that we <laughs> that we that, that we use that. Yeah, I mean, and, other, and, I mean and just so like this. you said, otherwise vote the other side, and they're hoping they are hoping it's that you sit back with that. That's what they want. Yeah. So let them know this midterm. And I'm old. I'm 48 years old. So this midterm is the most important midterm of my life, my entire life so far, thus far. It is the most important midterm of their lives up to this point. And they have to exercise their right. They have to get out there and vote. Like you said, the other side is praying that they don't show up to the polls. They're praying that they just, eh, blow it off. I don't want to go. I don't want to deal with the lines. I don't want to deal with, you know, this is just, they're hoping that you do that. Because Republicans will get out there, rain, sleep, snow, hail, it doesn't matter. They are going to keep their person in power. And that's what they want to do. So it's imperative that we get out there and vote. It's imperative. 
I, yeah, I, it's discouraging sometimes. And I think, I think for some folks they aren't voting because they're so discouraged. But I mean, and and it it is it is frightening that they are able to affect the the votes in such a corrupt way. But there's still there there's no excuse. We've got to try. You know, if you lay down and die, then what are you living for? You know. I don't know. I agree. Pretty I agree. Fr- pretty frightening. Pretty frightening. Um, yep. I'm going to try to get us back on Facebook again because I'm my technology is working a bit better. <laughs> so, um, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Beto has a chance against Cruz? I really do. As long as, like I said, as long as we get out there and vote, Beto is a grassroots type guy. Um, very, very intelligent. Um, reminds me a lot of uh, Andrew Gilliam in Florida. And I don't know if you guys heard the SoundCloud bite of the commercial that they did for, or the Republicans or the GOP did for Andrew Gilliam. If you have SoundCloud, you, it may be on YouTube at this time, at this point. It was just done yesterday. But Beto is very, very intelligent, very smart. Of course, they tried to uh, smear him because his real name is Francis. Um, But he's so intelligent. And Ted Cruz has nothing to rebut or refute back to Beto. And it was clear when they did their debate, um, Ted Cruz has just been in the position long enough. So people are more familiar with Ted Cruz. People are... You know, Ted Cruz, he's about the money. He did three days of phone calls, and they paid him $128,000 for three days of phone calls. Um, And that's just touching base with his base. So he's about the money. He's about keeping the money where the money is. And um, Beto says, well, we all should be benefiting from what goes on in our communities. And change will allow us to do that. You'll see better schools for your kids. Uh, the areas in which you live in will be improved based on, you know, economics in that area. So Beto has a very good chance. Um, It's unfortunate, again, he's running in a red state against, you know, Ted Cruz, who is notorious. And and I don't understand why people love Ted Cruz, because everything Ted Cruz says is a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. And he says it in a way that (laughs) – the people that understand it are the people with the money. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes no bones about it. He says what he says. And even the poor people are like, yes, go Ted Cruz. And we're like, what the, you have, you have a pot to pick See, in the window to throw it out of. Thank you. That's you know? what I don't understand. It's like, I don't, I just do not get it. All of, and I hope all these folks that, all these poor white folks that voted for Trump, you know, they were all gung-ho, and they're sitting back there right now with nothing to show for it. You know, I hope they're learning their lesson, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. they are not, yeah. their agendas are not for the working class, for the upper class, and that's it. And, and they don't even try to say otherwise at this point. Right. 
Yeah. And we have and, all, and, this, you know, we've got Trump running around the country trying to just distract folks from the real issues. I mean, he's talking about the migrant marchers that are coming up the caravan and, you know, he's going to uh, have the military yeah. at the border and all this. And it's just like, like it's, these it's freaking. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, I guess it's, Scare tactics for some folks. I don't see why that's so scary, but I mean, I guess for some ignorant white people, the fact that people are marching up to try to come into our country is terribly frightening. But newsflash, we're here that's already. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's fear. And you saw how Trump ran his campaign. I mean, he ran it basically all on fear. And who, who are the people that fear? Anything. I mean, you got people out there barbecuing, and, and this white lady is terrified that they're out there barbecuing. You got white people catching oh a bus, and you got people, white people calling the police. They're terrified. You got a, a man in a restaurant, and the lady behind the counter making food is making a salad, and he's terrified because she's speaking in her native language. What in the <laughs> world is going on? You know, it's fear that drives these people, and when you have that kind of fear, when you have that kind of fear in everything that you do, your day-to-day life, when you move around, you walk outside your house and you're looking both ways, you're just terrified, I get it. There, there are people out here that are bad people. But if you live your life in fear, something's wrong. And, and you know, Trump gassed them up on this. Uh, they've got rapists. They've got drug dealers. They've got murderers coming. Well, 52, I mean, I'm sorry, 51 of the last 53 mass shootings in this country who were pulled off by white people. Exactly. Not, not yeah. one Muslim, yeah, but, one exactly. black, not one Mexican. It's it's insane. So, you know, but they don't want to admit. And white people that voted for Trump will Absolutely. never do this. This is one thing they'll never they'll never do. They will never admit that they made a mistake in doing so. So that's the other side of it. They won't admit that they've oh, damn I made a mistake. They won't say that. So they're just going to grind it out and remain to be poor right. and remain to be in the position that they're in. So we've got to somehow reach them too. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the that's the struggle I see in my workshops and in in dealing with folks online. Is how do we bridge that gap? You know, when when people grown up, you know, with such fear, they're taught fear of of people they don't know, Um, and then you live your whole life in a bubble where you don't really have to come across other folks, how do we bridge that gap? It's crazy, and people often wonder why I get into conversations with folks that are completely on the other side, who are obviously very racist, and, um, you know, why do I even bother, and... You know, we had a – I put a post up last week. There was a woman in Oregon who was selling a a doll, and it was – I saw that. Obviously. Did you see that? Yeah, it was was like a a doll with black face and obviously like a a doll that was depicting a slave. And, you know, she didn't understand why there was such an uproar and why people felt that doll was so disrespectful and – you know, her arguments were, you know, 
um, it's just a doll, and uh, I wasn't around during slavery, and I'm not a racist, and but you people, and then she follows the I'm not a racist up with, but you people run around killing yourselves and killing each other all the time, but you want to call me a racist. Look at yourself. And then, you know, I was waiting, and at some point, the, I have a black friend got thrown in there and blah, 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 but she, she just didn't get it. But people were wondering why I was trying to deal with her. And I, I, I will say this. When I first started doing this work and uh, Trump was running and I put up some post and some Trump guy started messaging me and uh, his initial message was, you know, you should go back to Mexico where you're from. And I had to explain to him that, A, I'm not Mexican. You know, he's just assuming that because my last name is Fernandez, but it's Cape Verdean, which is West African. But I had to educate him on all of that. But even if I was Mexican, you shouldn't be speaking that way. So anyways, we went back and forth for a few days periodically. And by the end of it, he was able to hear me and change some of his views and have and deal with me in a respectful manner. And that is why I do it because 99% of the folks that I'm going to talk to that have those beliefs may not get it ever, but there's that 1% that will. And if we all took the time to, instead of, you know, it's hard sometimes because you get pissed off and you want to cut somebody out and tell them what an idiot they are. But if we take the time to try to meet them in a, on a level where they can try to see us as, you know, a person with feelings, I think also when we're online it's difficult because the humanity is taken away and things will be said online that people would never say in person and it's difficult to remember that that person that you're talking to is actually a human being. And, you know, I, I just, I wonder how do we bridge that gap in a more meaningful and often way, you know, I, I want to have these workshops where we have folks from both sides, but it's very difficult sometimes to get folks to, who, who are the opposite of me to come in and have a dialogue. And, I, you know, we have to have a safe place to do that. And I think if we were able to do that, it would make a lot of difference. But it's, it's getting right. people to step outside their bubble, whatever it is, you know? Right. And like in my introduction, I, I mentioned education is the key. You have to educate these people. There are um, – you know, for forever in this country, we've always been taught this false history. You know, they've never, our education system in any state has never 100% dove into slavery, okay? And the reason being is because they've, they've gassed this country up on all the heroes and the 4th of July and we're the greatest country ever and why don't black people stand for the flag and the anthem? Because the flag and the anthem doesn't mean the same to me as it means to you. You know, you've benefited. So it's about educating them. Why don't we do that? Why don't we feel that way about the flag? Well, they never taught history, slavery, 
the way that it should have been taught and told. And the reason being is because slavery, if you can even imagine, you've seen the, everybody's seen the picture on Facebook or online of the slave sitting there with his shirt off and his back just ripped to shreds because slavery was horrific. When, when uh, I was reading something about um, the sugarcane fields in, in Haiti and how mm-hmm. slaves were forced to live in their own homes or in their own shanties or whatever it was and standing in human feces up to their waist. And they showed this, this, this one lodging house for slaves where they thought it was concrete. And they were like, well, how do people get into this? How would people get in here? Because the opening was so small. It, it was solidified or uh, what's it called? <laughs> when dinosaurs uh, fossilized human feces that had solidified itself inside the place, which made the opening so much smaller. But they don't teach that to us in schools because it, it is so horrific. And who wants to look at America after they've told us that this is the greatest country ever? Who wants to look at America now knowing the truth that this is not the greatest place ever, that we were not – all these people were not truly heroes, you know, but it's about educating, re-educating people that want to believe. You know, nobody gets mad at people when they go out there on the 4th of July with their wigs on and their 4th of July attire and red, white, and blue and the gray wigs and the, you know, the Tea Party look. Nobody gets mad at that. They celebrate it. But as soon as people of, of a different culture attempt to celebrate their culture in any way, white people have a fit right. with that. They have a problem with that. And that's because they're uneducated. That's, that, that is the bottom line. They're just uneducated. And they don't want to be educated. They want to live this pristine life and this, this uh, thought that America is the greatest. Well, show us that America is great. Show us that America was ever really, truly great, you know? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And it, it does come down to that. And on the flip side, it comes, you know, down to educating our young people of color, um, it's up to us to teach them their real history and not just the atrocities, but the amazing accomplishments of the people that came before them. And it's up to us to empower them to continue and to strive and to hope. You know, we're coming up, um, we have about a minute and a half left, so we got to kind of wrap it up. But I, I think that ending on that note, which is that we do need to educate folks on both sides. And Absolutely. We need to, we need to be able to give people hope um, and, and allow our young folks to dream, and we need to show them how they can affect change. And um, part of that is our electoral system. Um, yes. So I'm just going to run down again for people that uh, if they need a ride to the polls, they are in an affected area where their polls have been closed down. Uh, they can reach out to Together We Stand at 1-800-528-1084, and we will get them to the polls. And uh, if you'd like to join our organization, please go online to TWSRevolution.org. 
we value everybody's voices and we hope that we can continue to come together and bridge these immense gaps that we have in this huge racial divide. We have a lot of people in this country that are are fighting to make it worse and it's in very essential that we on the other side to to, to make it better. And I want to thank you, Darren. I'm really excited that we're going to be doing this together, and I hope that we can uh, do it again next month. Absolutely. You let me know. Keep me posted. I'm going to get a head start on this podcast thing, the technology side. Um, but, yes, everybody has to go out there and vote. It's an absolute must. Like I said, this is the most important midterms of our lifetime, our lifetimes. And uh, let's, let's show these people. Let's let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, it's been a joy to have this conversation with you, and uh, we'll definitely see you on the show next month. Okay. All right. Take care. All right. Talk to you later.